Hello everyone. I hope you are doing well. We are back with another episode of Blitz Business. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Matt, thank you so much for joining us at Blitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Ashish. This is really it's an honor to be here with you. Wonderful. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll talk about your venture Tether. Absolutely. So, um my name is Matt Zerker. I'm the I'm the founder and CEO uh of Tether and um I I come to I I guess the entrepreneurial game in in a bit of a roundabout and and non-traditional way. I I don't know if I ever really saw myself uh starting a business and let alone starting a business uh in the mental health uh tech space. Um but uh you know my path has kind of led me here and and you know where it started I I grew up in Toronto and um you know for me you know I I've kind of dealt with mental health and well-being issues uh my entire life. Uh you know ever since I can remember I was a very anxious child. Uh you know I I dealt with a lot of you know depression when I was in you know my teens. Um I was bullied very heavily as a child. um and i think that really led to this feeling inside of me that i i was always kind of um outside of or you know apart from other people i never felt like i really uh truly belonged and um you know that kind of stayed with me i you know i always was always very concerned about you know making friends and having relationships and you know uh, i was you know quite insecure uh, as a kid and and again just always trying to sort of fill this void that I felt like I had inside of me. I always felt like kind of incomplete uh as a person and and the way that that showed up for me uh when I was a young teen it was you know around food I would eat a lot uh because I felt like I was you know just sort of trying to uh you know just you know ease whatever that anxiety or that feeling of emptiness was and then you know when I got into high school you know I I I turned to partying and you know I really wanted to be in the middle of the scene uh, you know around people all the time um and and then when I got to university I really ended up throwing myself quite heavily uh into succeeding right to just to achievement and and again all of these things along the way were definitely part uh of of me trying to feel like I was okay like I was uh, enough as a human being um and you know that that ended up working out well for me for quite a time when it came to like succeeding i ended up graduating top of my class uh, from the university here uh, of toronto here uh in toronto uh i did my cfa uh, my chartered financial analyst designation uh while i was doing my undergrad i got hired uh, uh to a, a quantitative hedge fund here in toronto uh right out of school and i ended up becoming a portfolio manager at that quantitative hedge fund by the time uh, i was 27 you know while i had all of the sort of outward appearances of success you know i owned my own home uh you know uh, i got to go to work in you know in a nice suit every day you know uh all of my friends like you know it, it seemed like i was successful i had friends uh, i had a community around me but i i still felt like there was this nagging thing uh like i didn't quite fit in and i didn't quite belong and and so i would try and numb myself at night i i just felt very sad very anxious I always felt like I was trying to uh you know uh live up to some expectation of what I was supposed to be um and then you know the real turning point for me uh was in 2018 and uh, I was living in this townhouse complex and uh, I had become exceptionally close to 
became one of my best friends during that period of time uh, with a guy that lived across the way from me. And, and you know, he was one of those individuals who um, I could really I could talk with about anything, whether it was sport or, uh, you know, just life, uh, you know, and I could also you know, really go into uh, into my own struggles with him as well. And he would share the same things with me. Uh, and we became very close. We would, you know, go to work together on the train. We would come back from work together as well. Um, and he became very quickly one of my one of my best friends. And uh, in 2018, um, he, uh, he suffered a pulmonary embolism and, and dropped dead uh, in front of his home. And it was one of those moments I, I ended up, you know, uh, I was taking a nap actually at the time uh, when when uh, when this happened, and it happened right outside uh, of my doorsteps on his front steps because our uh, our, our porches were right right across from each other. Uh, and I got up and uh, from that nap, and I, I just felt like something was wrong, uh, and I didn't know what. And I ended up getting a call from a mutual friend of ours and uh, who told me the news, uh, and it was you know it was uh, really it was devastating for me. Um, I went into a very deep depression. Um, I ended up at a point where I, I really couldn't function anymore. I had to go on mental health leave uh, from work. Um, and it was a very dark period in my life. And, it, you know, it's one of those times and I sort of uh, the way that I sort of position it for, for those people who have experienced it is like I, I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live. Um, and it was a, a really horrible period in my life. And I, I tried therapy, I tried medication, I tried experimental treatments, really anything that I could to feel better. And it wasn't until uh, I found uh, a men's peer support group here in Toronto through a friend of mine that things started to shift a little bit for me. And, it was, you know, I look back on it now. Um, and it was one of those experiences going to that first uh, men's group that I went to, where I finally felt like I was in the presence of a group of men that I could actually, you know, share openly with about what I was going through and, and felt like they actually understood uh, what I was feeling. And that was a really profound moment for me. It was a really big shift. Uh, I, I felt like I wasn't alone. Uh, I felt supported. Uh, I, I felt like there was a group of men out there that, you know, had been through what I'd been through and, and could understand what I was feeling. So I kept going to that group. And in April 2019, I ended up going on a men's retreat because I wanted to continue to do more of this work. And I was back uh, working at the hedge fund uh, by this time, uh, but, you know, wasn't really sure what my future was. And, and I, I had this experience on this retreat and I'll, I'll never forget it because it was, you know, the way that I characterized it, it was like a spiritual, you know, a spiritual experience for me in some ways. Like I, I felt... Um, connected to myself, to others, uh, in a way that I, I had never really felt in my entire life. And I ended up coming back from that retreat on a Monday, uh, and I ended up quitting my job uh, on that Wednesday. And uh, it took me a little while to find my bearings. But when I started to look out into the landscape, uh, you know, of who was doing this work and, and what was out there, I knew that I wanted to do something uh, in mental health. I knew I wanted to, you know, to be in the business of it. I knew I wanted to start a company on some level as well. Um, and I didn't really see any people out there that had sort of created anything that was effectively addressing the the problem that I was facing. And I, and I looked deeper into it and I realized that there was a ton of men that were struggling with this. They didn't feel like they had purpose and meaning in their lives. They felt empty. They, they felt like they lacked, uh, you know, emotionally connected, sincere relationships 
with other men. And so I decided to build something. Um, and it took me a little while to figure out what that something was. But as I went deeper and deeper, I, I, I realized that I, I needed to create a space uh, where men could connect, they could share their struggles openly, uh, they could, you know, learn from other guys based on shared experience, um, and, and and go on that journey of finding more purpose and meaning in their lives. And, and that was how uh, Tether came to be. So for you, Matt, the support group was really the pivotal moment in terms of it really helped you overcome uh, different challenges during your journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and it was one of those safe spaces, right? Mm-hmm. It, it felt like, you know, I could I could actually share openly about what what was going on in my life. And I felt comforted knowing that these men had been through similar experiences. And um, it was really the first time where I didn't feel like I was a problem to be fixed, uh, if that makes sense. Like um, what I was experiencing, what I was going through made sense to them. Uh, they didn't try and, you know, say, oh, well, maybe you should go to the gym or change your diet or do all of these different things. Mm-hmm. They just sort of held space for what I was experiencing and said that it was OK and um, that they, they cared about me and that they wanted me to come back. And uh, it was really, you know, I, I just I felt like I, I, I actually belonged for the first time. I saw you had a Kickstarter. Uh, so yeah. that was the that was your first starting point or just walk us through how you kickstarted the entire journey in Tether from development to coding, setting up the team, et cetera, hiring. What was your approach? Yeah. So, I mean, I got the idea after a, a conversation or a coffee with a friend of mine. Um, and, and this person uh, said something in, in the conversation that sparked the idea uh, in my mind. And, and I just, I kind of walked away from that conversation. I was like, you know, this is something that I have to pursue. This is something that I had to build. Um, and I ended up, um, I, I had met, uh, a, a, a person who's now a mentor of mine, uh, a guy by the name of Amit Kanigsberg, who's the, uh, the CEO of five points ventures here in Toronto. Um, and at the time, uh, he was working somewhere else and yeah, we were actually connected, uh, because, you know, we were related actually, he's a, a second cousin of mine. Um, and we ended up meeting at, uh, my my grandfather's uh, uh, funeral. Uh, my grandfather had passed away, um, and uh, a friend of mine was actually visiting the family, and we were having a conversation. And I mentioned that I wanted to go uh, and do this uh, this event here in Toronto called Tech TO. I wanted to go to the event. Uh, we were just chatting about it casually uh, at you know uh, at my grandfather's funeral, and and he came up to me and he said, "You don't know me, but I'm one of your cousins." Um, and he, you know, he said, I'm very sorry for your loss. And we just started talking. Uh, and he asked me, it's like, why do you want to go to this tech TO event? And I said, well, you know, um, I, I quit my job. I've been thinking about uh, trying to do something in the tech space. And, you know, I just wanted to go to this event. He said, well, why don't we have a coffee? Uh, and we had this coffee and I, I, I told him sort of the first uh, the first iteration of what I wanted to build and what was supposed to be a 30 minute coffee ended up turning into um, you know, three hour conversation. Um, and he encouraged me to actually go take a course on product management. And I ended up finding this course in Toronto uh, at a company called BrainStation. I went to this course um, and I sat down in that first class and, and didn't really know what to expect and sat down next to this guy. Um, we started chatting. Uh, anyways, the course progressed and 
there was a mid-course check-in where we were presenting the thing that we wanted to work on. I, I, I took the opportunity to use that course at BrainStation uh, to be able to, you know, flesh out this idea and see if it was actually something that was worth doing. Um, and after I did that, that first presentation, I sat down um, and this guy who, uh, you know, uh, had been working with another group. I ended up doing the project alone, uh, came up to me and he said, like, I want to help you with this. We ended up having a coffee uh, a few days later. And, uh, you know, now he's my co-founder. So I, I ended up just going to this product course and sitting down next to a guy who ended up becoming my my co-founder, um, which is a very random happenstance. And then uh, he had an individual that he uh, had worked with in the past on another idea that he had built. Uh, and that person became uh, our CTO. Um, and, right. uh, you know, the way that we initially funded it was I ended up selling my home uh, to to bootstrap the company. Uh, so that Kickstarter right. that you mentioned actually came uh, much later in the game. I had already been funding it uh, with my own capital uh, mm -hmm. that I, I had gotten from selling my home. Uh, so by that point, I was like fully all in. And, uh, you know, I was very lucky in the sense that my co-founder had a very deep knowledge of product. He knew how to build things. Uh, we had a, a CTO who was a very good developer. Um, and he built the entire first version of the application in a period of about three months uh, from, from scratch. And so that was how we first started that. And then just sort of along the journey, uh, which has been like, it's been, you know, incredible. It's been, you know, trying, it's been a huge learning curve for me. You know, we just sort of started to pick up things along the way. We ended up joining uh, the social venture zone at Ryerson uh, as sort of our first stepping stone. And uh, now today we are uh, obviously part of the 500 Startups Accelerator mm -hmm. program in San Francisco. So uh, we've come a long way, especially I think for a guy that, uh, came from finance, had never built a tech product or, uh, you know, anything of the of that sort uh, in his entire life. So it's it's been a, a pretty wild ride. It was a, I must say, it was a, it must have been a very big decision to um, sell your house, right? Yeah, it was. Um, I, <laughs> if I look back on it, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what I was thinking, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think, I don't know. There's just those, I guess there's those moments in your life. Uh, you just feel like something is right and you, you feel like you have to pursue it. And um, I guess the way that I sort of justified it to myself was, you know, um, I, 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 I had done very well on, on the property in terms of when I bought it and when I sold it. So, uh, you know, I wasn't so concerned. And, and, and what I knew was that if I didn't uh, take that leap or take that risk, I, I would always regret not knowing whether that was the thing that would have worked out. Mm. Um, and so for me, um, you know, I had a lot of confidence in knowing that, you know, if it wasn't this, it was going to be something else that I would be able to figure it out. Uh, you know, I've always been able to, you know, I've always been able to make money in my career and things like that. So I wasn't so uh, concerned about that. Uh, and I don't know, it was just one of those moments where you just said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, it, it's not one of those things where you just sort of say that you're going to do it. It's like you kind of have mm. to continually convince yourself because, you know, <laughs> that, that part of your brain just like, are you sure you want to do this? Right? And then you're like, no, 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 I really want to do this. And then, you know, when, when you get the real estate agent to come over and actually start the paperwork, you're like, wait, 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 but are, are you sure that you really want to do this? And you're like, no, 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 I really want to do this. So I, I felt like I was just kind of like, 
consistently having to buy myself back into the process. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I pulled the trigger. I, you know, um, I, I ended up, you know, making that happen. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it was really, it's been exciting. Um, it's mm-hmm. funny, you don't often go back and just sort of talk things through to yourself, but uh, right. it's, it's always interesting to revisit the journey and just be like, you know, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that all happened, <laughs> right? It's it's pretty wild to, to be here, but I'm, I'm really enjoying the journey and uh, uh, I have a great, you know, I have a great, you know, set of co-founders in the business and we're very blessed to be in the 500 Startups program. We get a lot of support from them and um yeah i just it's amazing how people have been showing up for this idea um mm. i think you know it's 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 you know and and men and women alike right it's you know even though it's you know it's a platform for men to find support you know we get so many women who come to us and say you know thank god that you're building this like you know i my brother my father my son my husband like needs something like this um, and it's been so interesting just to see, you know, how everybody's really shown up and rallied around this. And, uh, you know, we're growing pretty steadily. We're figuring a lot of things out at the moment. Um, you know, we just spent a lot of time speaking with, you know, the members of our community and, and figuring out what it is they need and want, uh, you know, from Tether as a platform. And so it's just, it's exciting, honestly. It's a, it's a really, really exciting process. And I, um, I, 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 you know, I can't, it's one of those things where it's like, you, you kind of are looking back and you're like, what have I learned so far? It's, it's almost been such a blur. And you, I, I think you just kind of pick up things by muscle memory over the mm. time. And I, I know there's going to come a time when I'll be able to reflect on this and actually talk a little bit more articulately about like what specifically I've learned going through this process. Uh, but I, I feel like to this point, it's just been such an intense year and a bit. Uh, going from quitting my job to starting the company to selling my home to, you know, getting into 500 startups and everything that we've done in between. Um, it, it, it's like you look back on it and it's kind of like all mushed together. Uh, mm. And, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't feel real in some ways. But, you know, mm. we're here, we're building, we're growing. And it's uh, uh, I think we have a really bright future ahead of us. Oh, definitely. I totally agree with you. And um, Matt, as a founder, uh, I personally also believe the journey, the first step in the journey is always to start, you know, uh, once that decision is made, I mean, things do fall in place, the dots get connected somehow or the other. Uh, and that's okay. what I could see, right? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's like, it's very serendipitous, right? How things happen. And, um, you know, at the time, uh, that we got connected uh, to 500 startups. I mean, we weren't even thinking about being in an accelerator program. Uh, uh, there's also a very interesting story with our Kickstarter um, where um, we were about $10,000 short going into the last day of the Kickstarter. And, you know, I had already sort of, you know, written it off as, you know, we're not going to be able to raise this last little bit. And, you know, uh, we'll just have to figure out another way to, to continue bootstrapping the company or I'll, I'll have to spend more money. And on the last day, uh, we were $10,000 short. And all of a sudden I got uh, an email on my phone at like, I don't know, I think it was three hours before the Kickstarter closed and it said that your project is fully funded and somebody had written a $10,000 check uh, on the last day. So, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, this the story is even more extensive and crazy than that. But um, yeah, it just you know, it feels 
it's like one of those things where you know when you're on to something that you feel is is right and good and, yes. and needed in the world i think you know uh, those types of things seem to find you yeah everything everyone sort of comes to support you yeah, absolutely absolutely i totally agree with you on that yeah so so matt what is the talking let's talk a little bit about more on now uh, on the platform side on tether side so what what is your business model in terms of how do you generate revenue for tether yeah absolutely so um there's a couple of things that we're working on that we're going to be launching in the next month or so uh currently we run peer programming so uh we run three week programs where men in the community come together uh in a bigger cohort and then we actually chunk them down into pods of five men and for 49 bucks they go through uh, a three week program where they learn about the science of accountability uh and then they build out what we call a life wheel right and that life wheel helps them identify areas in their life where they feel like they're lacking purpose and meaning uh maybe it's with family maybe it's career uh it could be any of these sort of six categories that we have on the life wheel and then through the program they're dropping into a group uh every single week that's led by a coach um and that coach goes through the science of accountability and we help them fill, uh we help them build uh goals uh and then those goals are reported back to uh in that pod every single day so they check in with their pod every day uh they check in about how they're doing mentally emotionally physically uh if they had an accountability for the last day they check in on that they post that on the tether app um and and what we found is that you know a lot of the men end up wanting to do this program successively it really helps kickstart them uh you know towards their goals towards more purpose and meaning in their lives uh and then they also have a lot of fun in the group as well so uh that's the main way that we're we're monetizing the platform right now but we have uh some plans coming in the next uh month or so that uh are going to only add to that so it's a really really exciting time and then you know i think one of the things that we do very well uh is we we like to uh, incorporate you know a lot of content into what we do whether that's on instagram uh whether that's in app uh we have a lot of people in our community that are pretty prolific uh uh, uh creators uh of content and so uh we think that's a a big part of the 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 engagement of the community is not only providing men with a space where they can share and connect with other men uh but giving them an opportunity to connect around content that is meaningful for them uh so that's that's another thing that we find that's really engaging about our platform and uh there's definitely plenty to do on that front how and how do you match in terms of onboard different coaches like uh mm-hmm. how does that work so right now our programming is really only done with one coach um and so we're we're still building out the structure of of how that becomes scalable we've built our program very intentionally mm-hmm. with the idea of scale in mind right so it can't be something uh where the coach is spending an inordinate amount of time engaging with the community and with the actual members of the pod we need to actually make the majority of the interaction between uh the community members themselves uh in terms of how we find coaches uh coaches find us um uh, you know when a lot of coaches that we speak to tell us that you know they wish that this this platform was available to them when they were struggling um and and so many of the coaches that end up becoming coaches wanting to focus uh specifically on men 
uh, have had a lot of the experience and struggled with a lot of the same things uh, that are that the men in our community have. So there's a, a tremendous amount of empathy. There's a tremendous amount of shared uh, understanding. And I think when they find us, whether that's through Instagram or through referrals or what have you, uh, they kind of see our website, they see our page, they see what our mission is. Um, and it just resonates with them. It just hits them on that guttural level. And I think a lot of the coaches that find us kind of know that they want to, uh, they want to work with us in some way. And, and we try and do uh, as good a job as possible to empower those coaches uh, and make sure that they feel supported and make sure that, you know, the value that they're getting is also equivalent to the value that we're getting. So we, we really focus on the relationship with the coaches that we have. And, you know, we want this to be a win-win for, for everybody. So uh, they find mm -hmm. us organically. We also get referred to a lot of coaches, but again, I mean, uh, I think, you know, for the mission that we have and, and what we're trying to build, uh, you know, it just it resonates with them and, and you know, they want to be a part of our journey. And uh, I just feel very fortunate um, to to be part of their lives as well. I mean, I get to spend a lot of time with them. I get to have conversations, and you know, as coaches who are doing this type of work, uh, I feel very fortunate that I get to have these connected, meaningful relationships with them uh, because it adds so much richness to, to my life. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I, I benefit more from the relationships we've built with the community members mm -hmm. and our coaches and all of that type of stuff uh, than I think anybody has. So, you know, I'm very lucky to be in the place that I am. And is there any sort of uh, criteria for someone to become a coach or uh, with some experience? Like, how do you, um, how does someone fit the definition of a coach? Yeah, so there's multiple certification processes uh, for coaches. The, there's different types of certifications, but we work uh, with coaches that have been through a, a certification process. And there's a couple different ones in Canada and a couple of different ones in the in the United States. So we want to make sure uh, that the coaches that we work with are, are accredited. And then uh, from that point, once we know that they're accredited, it's really, you know, a relationship that we build with them. So um, we we don't have like a specific set of criteria uh, that we, we run through. Uh, we want to know first that they're accredited. We want to know that they, you know, have a certain number of clients that they're working with actively. Um, we want to see what type of content they produce. Uh, we want to see, uh, you know, how they speak about uh, helping their clients and how they speak about helping their clients solve uh, whatever it is that's uh, troubling them. But from there, it you know, it very much becomes, uh, you know, a feel and relationship thing, uh, which is, is something that I like. I mean, I, I think I'm actually quite good at, uh, you know, sort of meeting somebody, having a conversation with somebody uh, and knowing pretty quickly uh, whether it's something that's going to work or not. It's, you know, it's one of those skills that I have. I have, I just have an intuition for people. Um, and so that's served us very well so far. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, uh, on the, the platform itself, the these engagements, uh, uh, are they currently predominantly online? I'm assuming... Uh, Yes, uh, due to COVID, but do you have plans to take the engagements offline also? Um, I mean, I guess the short answer is yes. Um, but I mean, that's something that I think is so much, you know, so far in the future that I, I don't try and really think about it too, too much. Um, we definitely have a number of men in our community who would like uh, the engagements to go offline. That's something that we keep hearing from you know, our core members is that they would love to be able to connect with each other uh, in an in-person setting, obviously, because of COVID. Uh, that's not possible right now. 
Um, and, and we'd like to be able to give them ways for, for, for them to connect with each other in person. Uh, I'm not exactly sure the way that that looks right now. I mean, the most obvious, uh, the most obvious solution to that is like a retreat based solution where, you know, we would host, uh, retreats that were based, you know, for, for community members of Tether. It's, it's something that we've thought of doing. Um, it's a, it's a difficult business to do retreats, um, for a number of reasons. Uh, but yes, I think. You know, we will eventually figure out ways that we can bring people together in more of an interactive, in-person uh, type of fashion. Uh, but, you know, I, I, that's so much farther down the road for us uh, that, you know, I, I almost don't spend much time thinking about it quite yet. So, Matt, what has been the impact of uh, COVID, you know? What has been the sort of trends you saw uh, on the platforms, uh, on your mm-hmm. platform? Uh, what what actually happened uh, during COVID? You saw a lot of interactions happening, more people reaching out, or or how did you sort of dealt with the situation during the or as going the pandemic in the pandemic? Yeah, well, we actually launched our product in COVID, so um, I've never run a product not in COVID, um, which has been an interesting uh, you know process as well, running a team. Uh, basically from the beginning fully remotely and trying to like get to know each other as co-founders um, and and get to know each other's working styles and then be able to like build a product all in COVID when we weren't really able to see each other. So it's been an interesting process for sure. I think, uh, you know, one of our, one of our mentors at 500 startups is saying, you know, uh, you know, be kind to yourself because you you are the first batch of companies ever that is starting everything and running everything in COVID. So uh, if you're, you know, if you're struggling a little bit, like know that you're operating in an environment that nobody's ever operated in before. Um, but, you know, so we, the, I think the core problem that we're solving right now is this, is this issue of, of, of isolation for men. And uh, I think for a lot of men, I mean, this is something that was very clear before the pandemic, um, but there are a lot of men out there who are struggling and don't feel like they can share openly about what's going on in their lives. They feel like on some level it makes them uh, appear to be less of a man uh, if they admit to struggling. And if you look at the statistics around men's mental health, uh, they're not great. Uh, and they, they were not great before COVID and, and they've gotten even worse uh, during COVID. So uh, if you look at it uh, right now, about 77% of men, well, this is actually a pre-COVID stat, uh, but 77% of men are dealing with some form of anxiety, stress, or depression. Um, and yet 40% of men say that it would take thoughts of suicide or self-harm in order for them to reach out and get any help. Uh, so, you know, there's a couple problems there. First of all, uh, most men are suffering. Uh, second of all, many men say that it would take extreme mental emotional distress in order for them to reach out and get any help and then if we look um, at the statistics around um, men utilizing mental health and well-being services men are actually under utilizing mental health and well-being services by about 50 percent so they're not using mental health services even when they're struggling Um, and and i could go you know really deep down the rabbit hole into the reasons why that is uh you know from outdated stereotypes of of masculinity uh to Mm. uh you know the way that uh, men prefer to heal. There's an old saying that, you know, men, uh, women heal face to face and men heal shoulder to shoulder. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest uh, that peer programming for men uh, and, uh, you know, experiential team based learning environments is a really great way 
for men to cope and heal and learn. Uh, and that, you know, one-on-one -on -one talk therapy may not necessarily be uh, the most effective way for men to communicate because they've never been taught to communicate about their, their feelings. So all this to say is that even before COVID, there was a huge problem in men's mental health. Mm -hmm. And that is perhaps no better highlighted by the fact that 75% of suicides are committed by men. Um, and then you add on top of that the the mental, emotional, physical, social isolation that all of us are experiencing, but it's really um, heightening this this uh, you know I would say emotional isolation that men have been feeling for you know a long time even pre-COVID, and and we don't encourage men to seek out emotionally supportive, vulnerable, and open relationships with each other. It's just not how our society works. Um, hmm. Men have never been, you know, men have never really been trained uh, uh, how to have these types of conversations. And so what we found is that, you know, men really took to this, right? Um, you know, by no means has our platform gone viral or anything. We're still working out a lot of the mechanisms of the community. But the individuals that we have found in the community, a lot of them stay. And a lot of them stay and become integral members of the community. They they attend, you know, weekly men's groups uh, with us. They, you know, they're on there every single day. They have built connected relationships with guys that they've met during COVID on the platform. They come to our events. So um, what we know is that we've built something that is truly needed. Um, and now what we're really figuring out is, you know, uh, how does a man find us? How do they want to engage? How, how do we welcome them into the community uh, so that they feel like this is a place that's safe for them and the, that they want to come back to? Um, but I mean, I think COVID has really only highlighted uh, a major problem that was already there. And, you know, I think, you know, we were we were able to bring a solution to the market at a time when it was needed because all of the statistics that I mentioned to you previously, all of those have gotten worse. And, and you know, I, I, I think I read an article several months ago that said that uh, in some counties in the United States, the deaths from suicide are higher than the deaths from COVID, which is oh a, a, an astounding stat, right? But it just shows you the mental, emotional toll that uh, this pandemic has taken on all of us. And then you layer in uh, a, a problem that was already pre-existing and was already there. And I, I think... You know, we've released a product into the market at the right time and, and we're serving a community uh, that, you know, really needs a safe space where they can connect with other guys and simply share about their struggles. Um, and that's why we say, like, I mean, it's it's really at the core of uh, of of our of our company and our ethos, which is that struggling doesn't make you any less of a man. It just makes you human. True, true. I mean, these are uh, definitely the very startling uh, stats in terms of the rates, pre-COVID level rates, and, and I'm definitely sure uh, these might have spiked during the pandemic. And the, the very valid point, Matt, which you made in terms of, you know, how to cope up with these different situations, scenarios as a man when you face, because there has been, at least in the entrepreneur circles, uh, there is an uh, the euphemism in terms of fake it till you make it, right? That takes a really big toll. Uh, I have personally mm -hmm. seen in uh, many founders, you know, you have to imitate confidence. Uh, the struggle needs to be uh, sort of, you know, you have to put your mask on, et cetera, et cetera. So I think a uh, platform like these really help to open up and understand and be true to yourself, I think. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things that I really, you know, I've noticed in, 
you know, speaking to other founders and getting to connect with a lot of brilliant founders is, uh, you know, they got to, you know, I'll get on a call with somebody and, you know, we'll be talking about whatever it is. And then, you know, all of a sudden they'll, you know, they'll start pouring out to me what's been going on for them. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what's needed. Like, I think more founders like us need to be communicating with each other and supporting each other. Um, and that was why, you know, one of the first things that I wanted to do at 500 was I wanted to have a founder support circle. Right. And I wanted to make it a real thing. I wanted to say, like, listen, guys, let's talk about what's going on. Let's not pretend that everything's okay. Like, you know, if you're struggling, you know, say that you're struggling. It's okay. Like, we don't have to put the. So I wanted to put the mask aside when, you know, when I joined there. And I, I wanted to, you know, part of my part of what I wanted to do is I wanted to build really connected relationships with my fellow founders in the program. That's what gives me the most amount of joy. Uh, in my life. And so I, I, I do think that there is, um, you know, uh, a culture of, you know, work, you know, work for, you know, 14, 16 hours a day, whatever it takes, you know, sleep for two hours, get back up, get back at it. Don't feed yourself, don't work out. Right. And, and it's problematic. Right. Um, I, I've even held myself to that impossible standard. And I've said to mentors at times, like, uh, I don't think I can work 18 hours a day. Like, you know, mm. by 12, 13, 14 hours, I'm kind of tapped out, like my brain's done, like I have no more to give. Um, and I need some rest. And you know, what they've said to me is take that rest. Like you're no good to anybody if you're completely burnt out. And I've burnt out twice uh, during this process already, right, where, mm. you know, I've had to take a few days to just sort of rest because, you know, my brain's not functioning. And I, and I think, you know, I, I think there's times when you need to go into that sprint mode of like, you know what, we just need to bury our heads and get this done. And that's totally well and good. But at the same time, entrepreneurship is a marathon, right? right. And so you need to treat yourself like a marathon runner, not a sprinter. Um, and I think, you know, it's really like, uh, I, I'm, I mean, we've seen, you know, we've seen the, the effects on, on founders before, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, suicide of, of founders or, you know, uh, founders like burning themselves to the absolute end and having health problems and things like that. Uh, it's a real thing. And um, I, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily the, you know, the person who knows how to solve that. But I do think that there's a large part that is, you know, part of this myth uh, and mythos that is created around the founder where he doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, he or she doesn't sleep and, uh, you know, they they don't, you know, ever take breaks and they're like nose to the grindstone all the time. And, and it's uh, I, I, I don't know if that serves us as a community of people that are trying to build great businesses. Like ultimately, I think that we are here to be in service to the businesses that we are building. Right. We are here to be in service to the customers uh, and the users and the community members that we are attracting to our businesses. Um, and if we can barely pick our heads off our keyboards, what good are we uh, in terms of service, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the solution is for that mm. because I certainly fall prey to feeling like I have to constantly be working. Um, and I catch myself sometimes. Um, and I also still, it's interesting because like, uh, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest and like, I'll be open about it. It's like, you know, I, I sort of always feel like I'm not really doing enough. Do you know what I mean? Like there's always this perpetual thing. Right. It's like, 
I, I got to do more. I got to do yes. more, you know, more traction, more money, you know, yes. more users, more everything. Right. And, and, you know, I think playing from that mindset of more also inflicts this feeling of scarcity in you, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. there's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough this. And um, I think that that can be a really dangerous place to play from because if you're, if you're playing from that place, like you're, you're tight, you're constricted, right? You're not open. Uh, creativity doesn't flow from that place. You can't come up with good solutions. You're not able to be patient enough to listen to people. You just want to shove a solution uh, into mm-hmm. the city because you're like, it's, there's got to be a solution. I just got to find a solution. Whereas if you can give yourself a little bit of space uh, to, you know, you know, I, I mean, I mean, like, you know, giving yourself downtime is a relative thing, right? Like, I mean, it's 11, 14 p.m. Uh, here in Toronto, and I probably have like another hour of work to do after I get off this podcast <laughs> with you, right? So like, it, it's relative, but like, I, I do need some sleep, I do need some rest, I do need to feed right. myself. Um, I need to take, uh, you know, days off here and there so that I can rest and recuperate. Um, and, and me and my co-founders need to take days where we don't talk to each other. Because it's a long grind and we need that time apart and we need that downtime to make sure that we can run the marathon, which is, you know, seed, series A, series B, series C, however many rounds it takes to get you to the place that you need to be. If you want to do that, I mean, that's that's five to 10 years. Right. And and, and you can't do five to 10 years uh, at a sprinter's pace. You, You need to actually. But then the key is, is and this is what I'm learning for myself, is like the like the fastest marathon runner on the planet uh, runs uh, basically uh, consecutive 14 second, hundred meter dashes for the span of a, an entire marathon, which is an absolutely ridiculous pace. So the question is, is how can I find a way so that it's like, you know, I'm not sprinting, but I'm running the marathon quicker than most. And that's something that I'm still trying to figure out. As founders, entrepreneurs, there needs to be a sustainable model. There could not be, you know, I will not eat, I will not sleep. I'll have to focus, focus, focus. Uh, there has to be balance, I mean, if I can say. So there has to be balance of all different activities, which are crucial. And, and definitely in business, it takes time. It takes time. It takes patience to build any uh, meaningful business, as I've seen till now. I, I think uh, the... Part of the problem is also in terms of the perception, right? People trying to compare their journey with someone else mm-hmm. middle, middle or the when they are sort of near the finish line, right? So it sort of that that is also I feel uh, part of the problem in terms of you know someone starting now versus seeing the the whole idea of overnight success is not true. It takes years before something can really happen. Yeah, and and what's so interesting is like. Um, I'll, I'll give an example of it because like um, Talkspace as an example, right? Um, Talkspace has had like, you know, probably the craziest year in terms of growth uh, of any of the digital mental health platforms. Um, and we're starting to see, you know, Calm and Headspace blow up. And so there's a lot of tech around mental health and well-being that's really blowing up. And um, and then, of course, Talkspace, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, went into that, uh, uh, you know, went into a merger or was acquired by a special special purpose vehicle to go public and all of this type of stuff. And you're like, wow, like, where did Talkspace come from? Because you only seen their ads on your phone for like a year and a half. And then when I went back, 
I, I was like, I looked and I, and I ended up reaching out to Oren Frank, who's the founder and CEO of Talkspace. And when I looked at his bio, he's been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. Right? He's been the founder of Headspace. Which, and you're like, oh my God, this rapid growth, where did Talkspace come from? And, and I, was sho- I was shocked that he had been doing it for 10 years. And yeah. I was like, oh my God. I was like, that, I was like, okay, that explains it. Like he has had this, you know, incredible period of growth. And it's literally only been probably two years of his entire 10 year journey, right? He's had to be patient and like the same thing with Andy Puttycomb at, at Headspace, right? Like, you know, we think that Headspace is again, like this kind of like overnight, I think he's been doing it for 10 years as well, right? I think Headspace has been going for 10 years and we've really only like learned about it in the last couple, right? Mm. So yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I know I'm in this one for the long haul, and I, I'm really excited because I think we have a chance to uh, to really change the game in terms of peer support for men. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I won't be able to work 24 hours a day for 10 years. I mean, I would probably drop dead before that happens. So, <laughs> you know, I'm going to make sure that I, you know, I, I eat food, and you know, I get rest when it's needed. And, you know, I see my family and, you know, you know, see people when I can to make sure that I get you know, that, you know, I mean, well, COVID makes that all very difficult, but, you know, we need those types of things. Like it nourishes us, it nourishes our souls, it feeds us. Um, mm. And and I, and I, I, I think what you were kind of getting at, and I think what I'm sort of realizing, it's like, we kind of treat the entrepreneur in some ways as if they're sort of this, uh, you know, robot, human needs that, you know, can work on, you know, ramen, cans of tuna and black coffee. <laughs> And that's the only thing that they need. But like, you know, as founders, we need social interaction. We need other humans. We need connection. We need all of those things. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I, I would love to be, you know, I'd love to be like a resource or a a shoulder to lean on for any founder who wants to reach out to me. Uh, If you connect with me on LinkedIn, you can send me a message. I will respond to it. Uh, But I think that, you know, we need to be, a community. I mean, we need to stand right. by each other, and we've also got to be willing to ask each other that that follow up question, right? Where you're like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" Or you know, "What's mm. what's going on?" Right? And you're like, "No, no, no," but like, really, how's it going? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you know, how are you doing? Um, Absolutely. You know, to all of our founders, and I think you know it's incumbent upon us to support each other. Um, you know, yeah. So that's that's kind of that. You have been in business, I think it not for long, but what what will be your suggestion for someone starting now? Or if I can put it the other way, what would you have done things differently knowing what you did uh, in last couple of years? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I feel like that's like, I mean, I feel like that could be an entirely uh, another episode of what I would like I could do entire episodes with founders on what they would have done differently. And that would be a really interesting series. Um, so many things, uh, but I mean, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it because, um, you know, I think that the scars that we get from learning, as long as we can actually take those lessons and accept the fact that we made those mistakes and not really not beat ourselves up, because I think one of the things that, you know, it's like hindsight is twenty twenty. It's like, oh man, I should have known, uh, to not do that. And it's like, well, how you had never done it before. Of course you were going to make that mistake. Um, and I think that there's value and there's wisdom in that. Um, I mean, so that we can pass it along. I think 
you know, one of the things I would have definitely done is I would have done, I would have, we spoke a lot to members of a, so we started the, we started Tether with a private Facebook group as a beta uh, and we capped it at 500 members. We had, you know, several thousand engagements in the community over a couple months and we're like, okay, we're going to go build this. But I, 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 I made a lot of assumptions in what I built uh, from the get-go based on what I saw as an interaction in the community. And what I would do differently today is I would have actually spent a lot more time speaking to those initial community members, uh, finding out what their journey was, figuring out what they had done in the past when they were struggling. I would have, we just did um, another uh, another process, actually, just as we got into 500 startups, uh, where we spoke to, I, I think it was like 50 something members of our of our community. Um, and, and we started to do it from a very different perspective. So I was suggested two books, uh, the uh, Lean, Lean Customer Development uh, by Cindy Alvarez, um, and then the Mom Test, I'm forgetting the name of the author uh, right now, but reading both those books and really understanding the customer's journey, like not not what you know do they aspire to do not not uh you know something around like you know well if i built this would you use that i mean they're always going to kind of say yes to you right because they don't want to you know make you mad they don't want to uh you know say no to you right but really understanding your problem in the context of what uh or the problem that you're trying to solve in the context of what your prospective customers are already doing um, that has been super important to us and going through that process and really understanding the needs of our community members on a much deeper level now at this point, um, I definitely would have started that process um, a little bit earlier. I, would have, I wouldn't have built anything until I had done that process first uh, and really started to scope it out. But uh, I, at, at the time, I was just so... Um, I just so wanted to get something out there, right? Mm. I so wanted to be first to market. Uh, I so wanted to build something and get something off the ground. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and as a result, I rushed. And when you rush, uh, nothing good happens. And I think that's another thing is like we have this culture with startups that everything's got to be fast. Everything's got to be shipped right away and all of this type of stuff. And, 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 and while that is true and there are times when you've got to be quick and nimble and faster than competitors, um, when you are sort of starting that, really making sure that you are uh, understanding what your, your hypothesis is, what your implicit biases are, um, and then, like, what are the assumptions that your solution is making about what the customer needs and making sure that all of those things are tested and validated or at least validated to the extent that you can, because you can never perfectly validate an idea uh, until someone's got to put down their credit card. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that would be the first thing is I would have spent a lot more time. Uh, with, you know, with my prospective community members before actually building anything. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Definitely. I think that there is all this uh, um, uh, viewpoint wherein you have to push products and keep taking feedback uh, as and when is required and trying to push newer, better versions. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Ashish. I really enjoyed being on here with you. Thank you for listening. We will be back with another episode of Blitz Business. Stay tuned.